Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. He looks up, goes to 50, in the sun. Hazelby's got it. Has not kicked a goal this season. Yes, it is still the best ever derby. Welcome back to the Toolkit Depot studio. Don't forget to shop winter at TKD. It was a shame the commentator said he hasn't kicked a goal all season. Yeah, I know. It would, have been, it would have been perfect other than that, eh? I like to say the joke that it was around, you know, round two. <laughs> of course, it was round six, I think, that one. One of the famous – it's still the best ever derby. And the fact, uh, in terms of Fremantle's historical development, the fact that it came the week after Siren Gate – in Launceston, I think that was that was a massive seven or eight days for the Fremantle mm. Football Club. They stood up for themselves, they got what was rightfully theirs, and then they won. I still think it's the best derby ever played. It was a beauty, and there you go. I didn't play in Siren Gate, so that takes one game off that uh, stat that I hadn't kicked a goal so far in that season. <laughs> <laughs> you, were, you were battling OP that year, weren't you? 2006, yes. Horrible year for me. Um, probably not at that particular stage, but after that, towards the back end, you know, in and out a fair bit, and then played that final and had to get through a few pain-killing injections to get through. I still remember your face in the rooms after that game. Uh, I still remember it too. Devastation. And uh, you could see you knew your season was done and uh, the team was going one way and, and you were... I was off for surgery. There. Yep. It hurt. Yeah. It does hurt because at that point in time, it's 2006, you're there for seven years. Yep. And you're like, here's our big chance to make a run and you're not a part of it. Yes. All right. Let's talk about, first of all, let's start with the loss to Brisbane on the weekend. Now, people say, well, that's the end of their finals chances. To me, their finals chances were gone after the loss to the Western Bulldogs several weeks ago. But what did you make of the game? Not about finals. I think for the Fremantle Dockers now, it's about how they can continue to build and get better and be prepared for next season because they're only going to make up the numbers with what we've seen in the start of the season. But I'm actually quietly pretty happy with the way they're going along the last couple of weeks. There's clearly been a shift in the method. Of course, there's been a couple of tactical moves with players going into the midfield, but even from the back half, their ball movement has been led by Jordan Clark, but also Wagner. Just this willingness to go and take the game on. And again on the weekend, I saw it a few weeks ago, they're still not in tune with it. They get in really good positions and then they just turn it over somehow. Mm. And, you know, that's the next part of their development is to keep working on that over the preseason so that when you get the ball in the corridor from the back half and you've got that defensive team trying to really push hard back, you keep on going straight and you get the ball in there quickly with good execution to a key forward. I just don't think they've nailed that part. And again, it's happened where they've had momentum in the game. 
but they don't capitalise on the scoreboard. That's twofold because of what I've just said, that they don't execute properly, but they don't have the gun forwards, I don't think, yet, to put teams away. They should have probably been three goals up, I thought, at quarter time, and you put some distance in the game. They end up kicking two goals to one at quarter time. Yeah, they've got a young forward line, and to me, it's starting to get tired. Like, mm. Amos is looking tired now. He's still honouring his obligation. He's flying for the ball. He's giving a contest, but he's not clunking many, and he's, he's having a lot of almost moments in games now, isn't he? He had three shots, and he's a good goal kicker, and he missed those two easy ones that he'd normally take. So it could be sitting here talking about three goals to Joy Amos, but you can see the last few weeks it's been one goal, one goal, one goal, one goal. I think he's really yeah. tapered with his output. But I, I don't know. Do you feel like they need one more? Like, is that is, – is Amos – Corbett is in there right now, and then you've got Tracy, and then there's the option of Jackson to go back in there if Sean Darcy comes back into the ruck next year. Is that enough? Like, you look at what Brisbane had on the weekend. Like, they've got four really solid players that uh, go through there, and the other two, obviously, are pretty handy. I'm fascinated to see. I think they've got a lot of options now, Fremantle, and I think... um yeah, I'm fascinated to see how it plays out. I mean, we had the conversation about Luke Jackson in the ruck. Then we went back, oh, no, no, Darcy's one of their best players. I mean, you see Jackson play like he did on the weekend and what he does in the air and at ground level, and you ask yourself the question. You know that Darcy had something, hmm. and you know he's important. Yep. But this kind of win the battle, lose the war conversation, you know, does he add enough that – you're not losing something somewhere else that you could make up if you put him on the trade table, you get what you get and you get something different that changes your mix. And I reckon that's going to be a fascinating conversation. I think there's a few of those conversations to have at Fremantle, isn't it? I'm going to ask you one for the Derby this week. Matt Tabiner kicked three in the waffle on the weekend. Now, given what we've just said about Amos and he's getting tired, do you bring in a tall West Coast, a small at the back, now, either Taberner gets a mismatch or he takes a good tall defender away from Amos. What would you do? Do they believe Taberner's the guy next year? I think that's probably the question that needs answering. Is he still a part of their plans or do they want to go down a different track where they utilise Jackson in the ruck or they utilise Josh Tracy as the other one? Because it's could you drop a Corbett? He's probably the one. Or do you drop a Josh Tracy, who you've just signed for three years, and he's probably the one they've invested a lot of time into. I think it'd be harsh to probably do that now. So he kicked three goals. It was his first game back in, in the league team. Is that enough? Like, they, they smashed them. I'd love to see Matt Tabernard, if he is to come back and play a part, you know, he should be kicking sixes and sevens. Yep. Sixes and sevens every single week to prove that he's he's good enough to AFL, to be in the AFL. I don't think three at Waffle against uh, who that they played. West Coast. West Coast on the weekend is enough for me. Yeah, no, he's probably a week shy. Good point. You put me back in my place there. Hayden Young into the midfield. That has to stay, doesn't it? That's, we've looked at the difference he's made over the last two weeks and the difference in the way they've looked over the last two weeks. To me, that's a no-brainer. Geez, I was impressed with what he did. Like, I didn't see him live the week before, but I, I wasn't sure whether he was the right guy for Lockie Neal because I didn't think he had the ability to really run off and, and get used. And I think you've got to challenge Lockie like that, which is what Took Miller did against him. So I thought maybe Brayshaw would have been the good matchup. But, geez, he took off. And Lockie said as much after the game that he was so impressed that that stoppage he manned him, but he also went hard forward. And the team was in tune to using him. And I think they have to keep going with it. 
One thing we noticed about Frio's season was big-bodied midfielders, that they need one in there just to help out Sarong and Brayshaw. So what they get is they get Hayden Young goes in there, he is that, but with Luke Jackson in the ruck, he's another half, isn't he? He's the yep. ruckman. He's not hitting it to himself, but he's in there as the big body with the follow-up. It may not be the first possession, but the second and third possession, that's what Luke Jackson can give you. And we're going to talk a bit about Darcy and Jackson as well, that you know, it depends what you value in modern-day footy. Do you value hit-outs? Getting in first possession where teams are pretty in tune to stopping that first possession because that's what they're winning in the first part of the season. Darcy was winning 90% of the taps, going straight to Sarong and Brayshaw, and the team's just clamping him. Or I believe there could be a shift in the AFL to more ball movement. Do you value ball movement, the extra player around the stoppage, to actually free up another player? So I might free up, and we saw it a number of times on the weekend. It goes down to Sarong, he handballs it to Brayshaw, he handballs it to Sarong, and then the free player is Luke Jackson running out yep. of the stoppage. So the extra number that can get the ball in that part of the ground creates more avenues for you to exit that stoppage. So... There needs to be a conversation about Darcy. How does the conversation go if you're the list manager? Are you saying, let's see what we can get that changes the mix and adds, or are you saying, no, he's too important and he has to stay? Um, um, This is a really complex situation with Sean Darcy. The first thing I want to say about this is Sean Darcy's a culture man. So you, you hear from the players that Brayshaw, Sarong, Darcy, all Victorians, all love it here in the West, and they're all committed to it. So that's difficult to do because you don't want to upset the culture. But last year, Brodie Grundy, Collingwood through and through, they made the tough call. It hasn't affected Collingwood on field this year. They've been able to back it up. And then you look at the contract. So he's out of contract next year as as a restricted free agent. And you look at the development of Jackson. He's only 21. Where is he going to be in a year or two? Mm. But Darcy's going to warrant... And you look at Harry Himmelberg, who just got a contract extension with the Giants, who's a free agent. Six years. Six years for Harry Himmelberg. Six years. And then you look at what uh, Brody Grundy got when he was a free agent. Just didn't they talk Harry Himmelberg up? Did you read the club press release on Harry? One yeah. Of the, one of the competition's most mercurial players. I must have missed that. Yeah. So Brody <laughs> Grundy, seven years. Yep. Restricted free agents. They get big offers, don't they? So there's going to be a club that comes at Sean Darcy for six years. Yep. And right now, you say to Freo, can we actually lock away a guy on 800000 likely, for six years? You do the maths on that. That's $4.8 million, and you've got another player that's probably better and doing better than him in the ruck right now, and he's 21. How much further is he going to progress over the next two years? Now... The one out you do have now in contracting is, okay, you do the deal for Darcy and you give him that sort of money. You can get out of it, but you lose a little bit of your negotiation strength because then all of a sudden it's a fire sale like we saw with Brody Grundy, Brody Grundy yeah. leaving. Yeah. And then you look at Melbourne, who come out and go on, beat their chest, we can make this work. Grundy, gone, you beauty, we'll go forward with this. And to their credit, they had to stop because it wasn't working. And what's happened there is you've put Grawn back in the ruck, he's dominated, his ranking points every game have gone through the roof, and you replaced him with Petty, who over the last few weeks, up until he got injured, was kicking goals. So you get the ultimate combination, and that's the concern. Fremantle I don't think can afford to give him five or six years on that sort of money. It's just too much. And then I'll throw this in. Okay, let's say they make a call and 
they do make a trade this year, they get a good draft pick for him. If it doesn't work, 12 months later, there's another free agent who could come back and support you in Tim English. Yep. So there's actually a fallback position. If you wanted to be really, really brave, Fremantle, there's an option to be made here. And I want to finish with this. Does Sean Darcy actually want to stay? He hasn't recommitted. And if you're in this position, do you want to sign for six years when you know that this young kid is probably better than you and may actually get more time in the ruck than you, that you might become a 50% player, you might become a forward? Do you want to actually do that if you're Sean Darcy? It's a fascinating... I, I think that's going to come into play soon. It's a fascinating discussion because I'm a massive Sean Darcy fan. So am I. And, and when you see him play well, you think, geez, he's almost their most important player. Mm. But then you see what Jackson brings to the table for them, which we saw at play on the weekend. It's a, it's a and one more point. Discussion. So that money, so $4 million, is that better put somewhere else? Is that... Is that have a real crack at Logan McDonald next year? And you can use the draft pick that you may get this year, so put it into some future picks. Yep. So position yourself to really start putting a bank balance together for exactly what you need. Yeah, it's a good call. Lots lots for Fremantle's list managers to talk about. On that, if Young goes to the midfield, what the hell do they do with their other big-bodied mids? You've got Jager O'Meara, who ended up playing at halfback on the weekend when Ethan Hughes had to go off. Um, you've got Nathan Fife, who Fremantle is talking optimistically about playing a lot of football next year. They think he'll get right, and they'll think, so you got to work out what to do with him. And Will Brody, who's been surplus to requirements this year. How do they manage that? Do, does O'Meara, can you solve part of the problem by shifting O'Meara to defence, for example, for starters? It may have to be the way. Like, it's not an ideal list management situation. And look, they had the best intentions when they did it. They thought straight away, David Mundy. Out, we'll get Jager O'Meara late in the trade period. They make it happen. But right now, you've got you know O'Meara signed for another three, and he hasn't had the best season. He played probably a really good block there for four or five weeks. He's been solid. That's about mm. as as you as, got Will Brody that you signed at the start of the year for three years. You got Nathan Fife that you've started and signed for two years. Now all of them go through the middle, and then you've got Erasmus and Johnson that are building, and now you've got the three other ones that are yeah. your first choice. It's a lot of money to be had in the same sort of position, and um, I like your idea. Maybe you do look at O'Meara behind the ball. Uh, Ethan Hughes has been in there all year, but I think you know clearly he's a replaceable player, and he could be the answer. I love what Wagner's brought in the back half. I, I really do think you need players, particularly when you have players like Pierce and Cox. They're not running players, are they? They're no. not the ones that are going to take the game on. And Ryan does it in a different way, but you need three or four that are going to weigh in offensively. So it's an option. The Will Brody one, like if you're him and you're looking at that midfield, like as I just spoke about Sean Darcy, are you going, well, is there another club that could give me an opportunity? Or do you back yourself in to work your way back into that? But there's going to be a lot of competition for those positions. Yeah, and on the wing too, I think you know they've got an interesting decision to make on how hard they go to keep Liam Henry. Clearly that's going to take some haggling mm. uh, because otherwise it would have been done by now. Um, and they've got, I really like Ethan Stanley. Yep. I, yep. I really like him. I think Ethan Stanley off a full AFL preseason is probably in their best 22 or 23 at the start of next year. 17 disposals on the weekend, so it just needs more time, more footy playing with that particular group. You've got O'Driscoll there as well, but it, oh, he's won me over, Liam Henry. I didn't think I'd say that, but I actually like 
I like a small midfield. I think they missed that. You look at Rosie and Butters, somebody that can actually cut lines and change direction in and out. And he's starting to win a lot of the footy. And there were better defensive efforts, albeit that last one where he got caught holding the ball, um, where they kicked the goal, pretty important time of the game. His improvement over the last six weeks has been enormous. And you put another preseason in that now he believes you've got to keep him hungry and fighting for, you know, to become a great player. I think obviously being out of contract and there being other clubs, you know, he's got himself to a position that he's playing some really solid footy. So, yeah, I think you do make a deal for him. Like, and you'd be happy to go to three or four years, I think, right now with Liam Henry. Sam Sturt has broken into the team. He looks like he stays in the team now. Kicked three clutch goals on the weekend. We saw what he brings, didn't we? Didn't mm. Like, the, the first one was one he should kick. The last two are ones that probably only he and half a dozen other players kick in the team. So he finishes with three goals off nine disposals. Is he in your best 22? Does he stay in your best 22? And if he is in your best 22, how does he fit? in your best 22. I think he deserves a run at it. He kicked one three, I think, last week against Geelong and was really good in that game. So he's getting some shots. He's a bit like Amos. He's a goal kicker. Um, The one knock on his game was his lack of forward pressure. But from the get-go this year, he's actually brought that. So I'd persist with him. But then you go back to Nathan Fife. Where do you use Nathan Fife next year? If it's in the forward line, then that that all of a sudden becomes that position, doesn't it? So yeah. they've got themselves into a little bit of a, a pickle with some of the, the contracts that they've put in place, but he's worth persisting with. He's out of contract, though, isn't he? So they're gonna, they would love to give him another extension one year. You probably wouldn't give him two at this stage because you don't know those other parts that might come to fruition, but there would be a club right now that would probably give him two or three. Yeah, I would have thought so, based on what we've seen. And there's enough there that what mm. we've seen over over an extended period of time. I mean, let's not forget, he, he kicked those three goals on debut. I think he clunked one one-on-one on Michael Hurley. Just pushed yeah. him at the right time, took the mark, kicked the goal. You see that and you go, okay, there's some AFL traits there. Um, the tanking debate. West Coast hit the front with two minutes left. Adam Simpson doesn't put players behind the ball. It's become an issue over East. To me, I have absolutely no issue with the way West Coast went about it on the weekend. Came from five goals down, put it all out mm. there, hit the front. If, if your 18th team in the competition plays like that, you shouldn't have an issue. If you do have an issue, change the system because you're only having the debate because they get rewarded for having the pick in the draft. And if I'm Adam Simpson, I'm coaching exactly the way he coached in the last two minutes. I'm not putting numbers behind the ball. I'm letting the game play out on its merits, seeing how his players cope in that situation and just accepting what will be, will be. I don't think he tried to lose. Did he maximise his chances of winning and shutting the game down? That's a different conversation. Is it tanking or is it just poor coaching? Like, if let's, let's take out the result, he's on the bottom. If we're in this situation, they're playing for finals footy and they're one goal up and they get the repeat stoppage, you're probably looking at going, that's really poor, not getting numbers behind the ball. Like, Oscar Allen should have been their guy. And he did speak about, oh, we haven't rehearsed that. And I understand that. They wouldn't have because it hasn't been a priority this haven't, year. Haven't had to save many games. <laughs> but, but everybody in footy duff knows that if you get in front and you get a chance to put a number behind the ball, there's yeah. always one leader that, that does that, and that is Oscar Allen. And he may have done it the week before, but you go back to Brisbane and Freo on the weekend when it got down to that last one. They had all their numbers behind the ball. So... Poor coaching for mine, but an ideal situation for West Coast to still be on the bottom of the ladder. Got a caller on the line wants to talk to you. Kevin from Hammersley. Kevin, you there? Yes, yes I am, yes. Um, um, what, Chapman. Question for Hayes? 
Yes, yes, guys. Um, Pete Chapman, assuming he gets his shoulder sorted out, I look at him as a fairly similar prospect to Hayden Young. How are you going to fit those two together and the way that Hayden Young has gone pretty well the last two weeks? Can you see Chapman doing a similar role? Oh, I think they need him back, Heath Chapman. And now that Hayden Young's gone in the midfield, there's no need for him to go in the midfield. He goes to the back line, and he is one that takes the game on from the back half, and he's also one that's a pretty good defender. He's having a horror run, though, with injuries, and when you do see players like that, you wonder whether he's going to have the continuity over time. It's now shoulder issues. He's had hamstring issues as well and significant ones. So for him this year, I don't think it's about playing AFL. Just get the body right, ready for a big preseason next year. I must admit, when I've watched him in his first year, some of the work around a congested area where he was able to win the footy and get his handball out, I straight away thought, this kid can play midfield. Mm. He's good in around the contest. And that's what I was impressed with Hayden Young, that his ability around the contest to win the ball on the inside and get it out to a teammate was probably better than I thought. But I've seen it in Heath Chapman. So there's options there. But right now with Young in the midfield, I think he just goes back to being that attacking halfback. Okay. Before I let you go, Derby this week, uh, who wins and by how much? I think Frio. I think Freo. I've been impressed with them the last couple of weeks. They just need to find more avenues to go. And we know that the defence of the West Coast Eagles do allow you those chances. So I I think they can get their their 30 points, 40 points this week quite comfortably. Paul Hazelby, always a pleasure to talk to you. Here's one half of the run home with Hayes and Marta. You can listen to them on SEN weekdays. Uh, Thanks for joining us, mate. Always great to have your insights. Thank you, Duff. We'll take a break. Be back with more after the break.